0: Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Smile, and joining me today, a first-time guest on the podcast. Don't know her that well. She seems like the kind of person I'd open a gift from, though. It's Andrea DeWitt. Andrea, thank you for being
1: here. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, Andrea uh, is a uh, first time guest that was uh, recommended to me by her boyfriend, Gage, who was a first time guest on the like two of the last three episodes of this podcast or a first time guest three weeks ago, but came right back and he was uh, he was nice enough to think about helping me book a guest when he saw Smile, which a movie that I saw and had a lot of thoughts on but Hadn't gotten around to actually like, you know, quite thinking about as to like, how am I going to plan this podcast? And he's like, hey, I know someone who happens to uh, work in the mental health field and saw this movie and has thoughts. And I said, hey, that seems like a good person to have on this podcast. So, Andrea, thank you for being here. We'll get into your background in a minute. But like, uh, you know, Smile is a is the newest movie for or not the newest movie It is the first debut movie from writer director Parker Finn adapted from a like an 11 minute short he did a few years ago. And then he got to turn it into a whole movie it tells the story of a psychiatrist named dr rose cotter that works in like an emergency psychiatric wing of a hospital and uh one day when she's working about to get off a long shift but decides to take on one more patient because As we kind of quickly come to learn, she is a bit of a workaholic, very dedicated to her job, never really says no to anything. A PhD student who is very, very shaken uh, uh, comes into her care. And this woman, her name is Laura. She is claiming to be someone that is seeing some kind of presence that is Uh, Manifesting itself in people who are smiling at her and acting in a really disturbed way and haunting her and all of a sudden she seems to have some kind of panic attack and when Rose tries to call for help she turns around Laura is smiling and uh, all of a sudden slits her own throat. And going forward from that point, Rose seems to uh, all of a sudden maybe start seeing the same kind of things that Laura was seeing and is trying to, and it is affecting her day-to-day life and her job and her personal life. And as she is going to different people for help, it is a very, very kind of precarious process for her because she is talking to a lot of people that are pretty well versed in the mental health field and are obviously a little hesitant to take everything she says 100% at face value because there might be some kind of clinical explanation for this, especially as we come to learn that. Rose has a bit of a traumatic past that included uh, witnessing her mom commit suicide at a young age. Andrea, I guess where I want to first start by asking you is, um, I, I've talked to I've talked to Gage a lot now, so I know he's like a big horror film person. I'm wondering, is that a passion you share, or do you have a maybe a, a more specific taste in horror films? Whereas this one kind of attracted you just because you knew a little bit of, uh, hey, what it was what it was about, or. Did you go in blind, which I think is something that like a lot of these horror movies that have been coming out this year, like might be better to go in blind. We talked about Barbarian a couple weeks ago. I think that I don't know if you saw that one. That's one that was probably really good to like not know anything about going in. So I'm wondering what exactly is your kind of your your typical preference in a horror movie? And what was the what was the kind of the hook to get you in the door for a smile?
1: Yeah so um, I'm a big horror fan as well, just like Gage, that's definitely something that we have in common. Um, like our dog's name is the Boba Duke. like we're oh, wow. <laughs> very, We're very into horror movies in okay. this house.) Um, and I I love all types of horror movies. I love campy old slashers. I love psychological thrillers. I love a lot of people I've been seeing are calling this movie like, you know, cheap for relying too heavily on jump scares. And typically like that is a criticism that gets leveled at horror movies that use jump scares. But I think that's part of the genre and yeah. uh and i love it i love all kinds if i had to pick a favorite i think i think I, i'm gonna go for the more like slow burn psychological horror less jump scare like hereditary Midsommar type uh you know A24 indies those would probably be like what's going to get my highest rating on letterboxd mm. but i i love all of them as if they were my children
0: <laughs> sure and so what, what 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 did you like what what kind of got you intrigued by smile cuz like i mean i think there was a trailer that like you know it might not have even like you know given away exactly what the lead character's job was but like you know mm-hmm. it had it's had some kind of a hook where you just saw these people smiling and you saw a couple of creepy frames of the film And uh, but at the same time, uh, I am curious, uh, at what point you realize, "Hey, hey, my, I might have a different perspective on this because of what I do for a living. And can you describe for us exactly what it is you do do for a living?
1: Sure. So um, yeah, I do remember seeing the trailer and um, thinking that the the very last jump scare in the trailer is the best one of the whole movie, yeah, in my opinion, where, yeah. where her sister walks up to the car and the head spins upside down and it's smiling. So that was really good. Um, I could definitely tell from the trailer that the setting was a psychiatric hospital. Um, so I knew that going into it. Um, but that, that doesn't really like you know, entice or dissuade me from any, any film, you know, any horror movie that's coming out, I'm probably (laughs) going to see it. So, um, yeah, I was, I was just excited to go and like, see what it was about. And I was pleasantly surprised by most, most of it. So, um, in terms of what I do, I am a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Florida, um, and I worked for about five and a half years total at a psychiatric hospital similar to the one depicted in the film. Oh, so, well, yeah.
0: so, so So, knowing that, I'm curious, like you said, the, I mean, I, I think you, you kind of commented the movie was mostly successful, though I'm sure you had some criticisms too. So I'm wondering, uh, as someone that is kind of this close to some of the subject matter in this, like, overall, I mean, Uh, And you can take this question wherever you want it to, but I'm wondering, like, how do you think it ultimately did in choosing to like, kind of handle this fairly delicate subject matter as a jumping off point for a horror movie?
1: I think it is more successful in that realm than a lot of other movies. So like one that comes to mind is Split. That was particularly egregious, uh, depiction of a mental health condition, um, in a horror movie. This did not, I,
0: I, I love split now. I think I'm gonna like <laughs> I'm gonna
1: make, you're gonna make me hate it
0: whenever I go back and watch it. No, I I'm sorry, watch and then I was like greatly disappointed by glass, though. You know,
1: <laughs> um, I didn't even see glass, but um, this much. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it I think it did a good job of handling the subject matter of um, like uh, mental health, and it did not depict anyone in the film having mental health issues as a cause of violence, um, which I think is is uh, a trope that a lot of horror movies fall victim to, and it is not reflective of reality um, because most mental health patients are not violent. Um, so, you know, there's really only one mental health patient depicted in this film. And it's the, the man that she sits down with and has a brief conversation with, who's muttering to himself in the beginning, because everybody else who has psychological symptoms is, you know, in the context of this movie, actually seeing demons. And and it
0: seems like a lot of the people that she talks about, talks about that guy with are all adamant that he's not violent
1: yeah there is that brief conversation with the um with uh cal Penn, who is the I, i'm guessing medical director or her boss in in some way um saying you know he's been here half a dozen times and he's never had a history of violence um that's inaccurate for a, a different reason but um yeah. i do like that they uh you know acknowledge that uh mental health patients are not to be feared. She is not afraid when she walks into her job. Um, and, you know, I think it it handles, I I think it did an overall, a pretty good job of, of addressing trauma and what different reactions to it can look like. Most of where, what it gets wrong is um, in terms of the mental health system itself and who works within it and what their roles are within it. Um, and it gets certain things Things that are, wrong things that are
0: probably only going to bother someone that know as much as you.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I think they're going to sound nitpicky to everybody else, but I see it. And I think, you know, that would never happen.
0: <laughs> well, okay. Well, I mean, I, I won't, won't you at least pick a couple of those nits right now? Was it simply a matter of like the, 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 the process by which the, these patients, the, the intake of these patients or, uh, the parts of the hospital they would have been admitted to like, what, what kind of like threw you for a loop?
1: I guess the two biggest things is they, one, they conflate psychiatry and therapy. Um, so Rose is an MD. She's a doctor. And I noticed in the, in the scene where she goes back into the hospital and it's the dream sequence and she's stabbing the patient on her badge that she swipes to get in, it says MD. So anyone who's an MD and specializes in psychiatric disorders is a psychiatrist. And their job within the mental health system is to provide medication management to patients, not therapy. So, um, you know, I think a lot of like lay people who are not in the mental health field use psychiatrist, psychologist, and therapist interchangeably, but they're all very different professions. So, like I said, a psychiatrist is someone with an MD who does medication management. A psychologist is someone with a PhD or a PsyD who primarily does research. And a therapist is someone like myself who has a master's degree uh, and is licensed in their state to provide therapeutic services.
0: The MD would not necessarily be called in to like have that discussion like she does in the opening scene.
1: Oh, absolutely not. Oh, okay. No. No. The your psychiatrist you're going to see in in an acute setting like that, psychiatrists see patients for about 5 minutes. Yeah. You are not getting any kind of individualized therapy when you're on an acute psychiatric unit like Honestly, like that seems that. how that
0: seems how it is with most MDs whenever I have to go to the doctor. But
1: uh, That's true. <laughs> Uh, but,
0: but, okay. So that that's, that's an interesting note, but like, how about just the way that this movie handles, like how you talk to people that are going through it like that? Um, yeah. So I, 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 that was something I found kind of interesting, even if like, I can understand why it might not be that person that is having that interaction with her. I was, I found that very interesting the way you might approach someone like that, that says that uh, represents such, having such visions to you. I Did you think it like handled that with the right sensitivity and delicacy and sympathy as it should for someone in that condition.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, so what she says to to Laura in that scene is very therapeutic. So she's reflecting back her feelings of fear and she's validating them without um affirming her delusion, right? Or, or, or because, being dismissive. Right, exactly, or being dismissive. So she, you know, she says, "I know what you're feeling feels very real to you." Um, so she's validating the feeling that she's going through while still maintaining that it's not reality and s- telling her she is in a safe place and, you know, they can talk about what it is that's bothering her. So her, her interactions are very much how a therapist should approach a patient in, in that situation.
0: Gotcha. So like after, so I'm curious then, cause like, I mean, <laughs> I think you you kind of saw, that, like you said, you'd seen the trailer for the movie. You kind of see this one interesting opening scene that it decides to go with where, like, might be a few medical things you can nitpick with, but you're like, oh, this is kind of interesting. I'm watching a horror movie that, like, it at least seems to get something about how you, you know, handle mentally ill patients with this component to it. But then we start seeing, like... Uh, we start seeing Rose start to go through it, and with, with some pretty, uh, I, I'd say, pretty effectively creepy scenes at her house involving her, involving her fiance, uh, with, with which her fiance is perfectly present for. He's played by Jesse T. Usher, who people might know from The Boys or Survivor's Remorse. But like at the same time, I think you you probably are more of a horror fan than I am, and you probably have more reference points for the kind of movies that this one might have ultimately come to resemble a little bit. So I'm wondering, as you're seeing that first scene, what are you kind of thinking as you saw the movie develop? Did you were you able to kind of like predict where it was going or did you kind of have a fun time like trying to like parse it?
1: Um I think I knew where it was going mostly based on the trailer, you know, mm-hmm. like we know based on that first scene that she is going to that mm-hmm. you know, where that interaction is going because we see it in the trailer. We know that that patient Laura is going to die and then uh, Rose is going to start seeing people smile. So I <laughs> I figured that it was going to go on. Um, be one, of the, one of the pass it on genre. Right. And I knew that, yeah, it was going to start happening to Rose. And then she was going to, you know, go down this path to figure out what was happening with her. But beyond that, I didn't, you know. It, it took some turns that I did not expect. So. <laughs> right. So
0: like, even if you could see where it was going to a certain extent, as so something you hinted out earlier that I definitely want to talk about was for any pr- level of predictability, it still seems like throughout it had a level of unpredictability and was pretty effective in the jump scares uh, yes. that, it, that it generated. And I'm wondering, what do you think allowed it to be so successful with that? Because I, I found it to be very successful for me in so much as like, these are just this movies that rely so heavily on jump scares are the kind of things that like, I wouldn't just like historically not a fan of and not even like, Oh, I'm too much of a scaredy cat, but just like, Oh, it's it just doesn't really get me off in that way that I think it might for some horror fans. And I think a big reason why maybe it worked with me is because I'm do, doing a better job of like starting to go see these movies with the right crowds. And mm. I, I'm not, I, I feel like I might've read something in I don't know if it was Gage's letterbox review or Daniel's or, if, um, uh i I don't know if you guys saw it with like a rowdy crowd or something that was oh
1: we did it was awful it was the worst (laughs)
0: right which is funny i and i I think i talked about this with them a little bit maybe on the pearl podcast where like i had a similar experience um the first time i saw x i had to go see x again even before i did my podcast on it because it was just the worst a bunch of teens Mm -hmm. and uh but like so but i feel like if you go see a movie like this with the right crowd even if there's someone like providing like running commentary, if they're a sophisticated sophisticated enough moviegoer to do their talking at a point where it's like not going to like take away from like what you should be hearing, it can be a lot of fun. And (laughs) I think, or just if everyone's kind of on the same page as having the right kind of reactions to certain moments, or even some parts of this movie are honestly kind of darkly funny. And I was like, you know, I was kind of on the same page as my crowd. So it's like, when everyone has the same reaction to like a jump scare moment, I feel like that's almost gonna make it work for you in a more fun way as a theater experience, in addition to like whatever kind of technical level uh, you can appreciate it on. But I'm I'm, I'm imagining you had some ways in which you were pretty impressed with the filmmaking because it seemed like you guys had some level of disdain for your fellow audience members.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, I think in terms of jump scares, I think you just got to take it for what it's worth and like be willing to go on that ride. Um, Like, I love the feeling of like dread and butterflies that bubble up in my stomach, um, like waiting for that jump scare. I think that's part Uh. of it. I love like, you know, burrowing my face in Gage's shoulder, like not being able to look. I think that's successful filmmaking. I don't think that's cheap. You have to create an atmosphere in order to achieve that effect. So I do think this movie was successful in doing that. And I am bitter towards the teenagers who were being (laughs) the in front of me. But, you know, we were all- I I, do think
0: it's funny to hear you say, like, you can appreciate, like, a horror movie for that, even when it makes you, like, that uncomfortable, how you can like that experience. Because just last night, I talked with our friend Elijah about Blonde, on the the, the newest Mm. Netflix movie on Marilyn Monroe. And it's, it's kind of a horror movie in its own right in certain ways. But, like, there are just, like, a lot of moments in that where Elijah talked at length about how, like, yeah, that moment is going to make me feel really bad, but I can also really love that moment. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny, like a, 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 a biopic that's, uh, albeit an untraditional one, like Blonde can like, you know, generate similar moments to like a horror movie, like Smile, where it's like, hey, like this, this, this thing might make me feel really, really uncomfortable, but I also kind of like that at the same time. So I'm, I, I think the movie like did a pretty good job of that, especially like where, um you know, they, they're, they're like they're, they're, there's a lot of I, I really liked its patience, I think was one thing as I was thinking about the movie a lot where it's like, you know, maybe sometimes what bothers me is like it's it just it might jump from jump scare to jump scare too much mm-hmm. such that it might actually kind of lose its impact. And like here, it's like at certain moments where it almost like rolls you to sleep and then jumps out at the right time, which I guess is the goal of any jump scare. It just felt like this movie had a very good sense of how to do that, you know, at mm-hmm. a moment where it's like especially like the first I think one of the first big ones is when she's just like uh, she's just like editing the audio from like her, uh, from the first visit. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, like the, the first big one of those happens where she's just sitting there editing audio. Such a mundane thing. Something I spend so many hours of my time doing for this very enterprise. And it's like, for something, like, I, think, I think I was just like, kind of locked into like, her doing something that like I've, i i spent a bunch of time doing myself and i'm i'm never having to really worry about anything that scary while i'm doing that it, it just like lulled me to sleep such that like i i lost my shit at that moment more so than i ever almost ever do things uh, <laughs> like that and i think i mean i think there's a lot of ways certainly in which they move the camera they use the they use the background in effective ways where they might just drop someone in there drop something in there at a second where it's like you see whatever that person is in the background that might be one of the people that's become possessed it might not we don't know they do a lot of stuff like that but the thing i first and foremost found myself really impressed with was how it like it, it picked the right moments to actually have the person jump out when you just you know just weren't ready which is i think a very basic thing but uh i think i think that uh i think that parker finn did a very good job with that
1: yeah it's almost like the concept of negative space in like a physical art form you know like you need the negative space in order to like appreciate whatever it is that's in the foreground or whatever Mm -hmm. um you know thing is being depicted um Mm -hmm. so in a movie like where you get those um like moments of peace between the jump scares are mm-hmm. are necessary in order for that that tension to be there and I think they do a good job of of pacing that throughout like I was never bored I was never sitting but I was never relaxed either so um yeah, I think but, that's I think that's good
0: but but yeah and after the first scene with Laura like they wait a long time before, before they even get there and I that's guess th- even more so than like how they pace them out between the scares once they start happening, I think that's that time is like the most important thing. Like I, I pr- in I, I really enjoy that in any horror movie where it's like it doesn't feel like it's in a in a particular rush to get there. Like it kind of yeah, this one kind of shows you what those stakes are and maybe what you can expect at some point. But like I think it makes it all the more effective when it just like takes the time to build that world such so you kind of know what is ultimately at stake and like her, her her life is not even perfect from the start as we come to learn based on her background and what she's lived with for so long her strained relationship with her sister and just that she works way too damn much uh there, there's a lot of things that aren't going for her but she also has a lot of some other things going for her in life and in theory like a, a seemingly mm-hmm. very nice fiance and they live in a nice house and she has a job that she's passionate about even if she doesn't necessarily have the best work-life balance there's plenty at risk here and like so, it, it takes the time to like really set all that up really well before like you know things start before things start crumbling down again. Um, and I and I I just really like when horror movies like wait a long time to really even actually get to the horror because it makes it just all that more uh, all that more tragic and makes the stakes all that much more higher. Uh, I, I'm curious once it even kind of like got past it, 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 it for a while, this movie becomes like a uh, like a criminal procedural or a detective story um mm-hmm. what did you think about how it was able to like kind of make that transition because it turns out that one of uh rose's uh or rose's ex-boyfriend is actually one of the cops that gets assigned to this case he's played by kyle kyle garner uh and his name's joel uh and all of a sudden it's like he's the only one that believes her and but i'm curious about what you thought both about just how it kind of handled the de- actually turning into a detective movie but also kind of what it meant to like have someone actually believe her compared to like the other people in this movie, because we talked a little bit about like how she approached that first patient, but then she's then going into a, a, like a meeting with her own therapist, which I'm sure uh, mm-hmm. you, you might've thought that was interesting. Cause I mean, I don't know how often you actually see in like film or TV, like you, there's plenty of therapy scenes that kind of come up in those, but how often do you actually see a therapist going to therapy? You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's interesting. Like, I, I don't know if you ever, have you ever watched the Sopranos?
1: I've watched, I think the first two or three episodes. <laughs> Uh, so not
0: okay. a lot. So I mean, like, I mean, a big character in that is uh, Tony Sopranos uh, therapist, but like a, mm-hmm. a, a decent chunk of the, the, throughout the series, like she goes to therapy to her therapist, who's played by Peter Bogdanovich, the, the acclaimed director, which uh, is interesting choice. But it's, it's interesting, but I cannot think of like any that many other instances of pop culture where you like see a therapist like going to their therapist uh, or, or, or a psychiatrist going to their therapist. Excuse me. Uh, and yeah. I, so I, I I thought it was actually kind of interesting to be like, well she's only going to like, how are these mental health professionals going to like really react to like seeing her all of a sudden describing all this crazy stuff that like she had already kind of reported back about this first person, but then she's going to end up like going to like finding refuge in this ex who's like the only person that would even entertain it. And then they, they uncover this massive thing. Like, what do you think about how the movie kind of balanced, like showing how to kind of like react to someone that starts claiming to see things, but also like having that person, like actually kind of have to navigate the world while dealing with that at the same time, which is really what takes up the the, the, the second, the, the middle third of this movie.
1: Gosh, that's a great question. I think there's multiple things to address within that question. So, broad
0: question, tackle it, however in, you choose.
1: In terms of um, like, what it means for Joel to be the only one who believed her. I really liked that because I like complex character relationships. I like the idea of her ex being more um, open to believing her than just like the nice little neat. Oh, her fiance believes her. He's the only one, whatever. Um, I I like it. I think it,
0: I think a lot of times we are also claimed just like not expect much from cops in these movies. And I, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't often expect much from cops in real life either. So it's yeah. almost like it's it was almost very surprising to like have the cop just not be the, the adult, you know?
1: Yeah. And so, um, I, I just, I liked that from a, uh, character standpoint I thought it Mm -hmm. added some dimension to the relationships within the film and it made it feel very real I think on a thematic level um we can get more into like what the monster means and like does it represent trauma and does this mean like the other people within her life don't believe her about her trauma which is often something that you know, trauma survivors go through? Does it mean, you know, her sister and her therapist and her fiance all are dismissive of her trauma and only she can only find solace in the sky? Like, what does that mean? I think that, you know, I don't necessarily know, but it's something to explore. Um, In terms of how did I react to the scene about a therapist seeing her therapist, That was one of the also least realistic scenes for for me as a mental health professional, but not because a therapist is seeing her therapist. That's not unusual at all. Um, It's exactly what I would do if I started having any kind of hallucinations. But, because of the actual interaction itself, in fact, like when I was in grad school, we were required to go to therapy. We had to go to ten sessions of therapy for ourselves.
0: We should have done that for us when we were in law school. But-
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a great idea for everybody. Yeah. if you can afford it. And if you can't, then there are then there are um, other other um, solutions that you can sure can find for that. But um, so, yeah, that scene in particular, She is going to, and again, it says that her therapist is a doctor, she asks her for Risperdal, so I'm going to go ahead and assume she's a psychiatrist and not a real therapist, meaning that interaction is, again, muddled in the real world, but um, that was super, super unrealistic, The, the therapist's complete dismissal of her. That would not happen, at least not with a good therapist. Um, when the therapist was like, you're, oh, I, you know, I think you've been through a traumatic event and, you know, you're anxious and you need to sleep, but you're certainly not psychotic. And it's like, oh, well, actually she is because she's describing an episode of psychosis to you. She's disheveled. She's showing up. She's distressed. She's reporting visual hallucinations. And she is a professional herself who is asking for an antipsychotic, there is a zero percent chance that that woman does not leave that meeting with that wristband at all <laughs> in the real world. Well,
0: well also like, um, it, it also like, I mean, it was also just like after we didn't really talk much about the birthday party scene, but she's out of the hospital so <laughs> fast after that. It was like I that that seemed like also like a pretty uh accelerated oh. timeline. Let me let me quickly ask you uh, one other question because it, it's funny you're you're talking about how unrealistic this scene is. Uh, have you ever seen Big Little Lies?
1: Yes, I have. I've seen the first season. I haven't right. seen so the you, second season. I don't season. know if you
0: recognized who was playing the therapist in Smile was also the person that played the marriage counselor that Nicole Kidman goes to in Big Little Lies, oh. Lies to confide in about her abusive husband. And I no, I didn't catch
1: just, that. But I don't know if
0: you recall those scenes in Big Little Lies, but like I thought those were pretty well done. You can maybe speak to how much better they might have been done in Big mm-hmm. Little Lies, but she played a she played a counselor that gave like very good advice. The actress's name is Robin Wiegert. She actually Kind of like first came to critical acclaim by playing calamity jane and deadwood but like then i didn't see her for like a long time until big little lies and like those were some incredibly moving scenes that nicole kidman had with her there where she's like telling her to yeah. run start your own bank account and then whatever safe way you can find Mm-hmm. start accumulating things get a place if you can afford it all that like giving her all the right advice as to like how to get out of an abusive relationship and probably a probably very good example of how a therapist should react to a patient confiding in them so uh in in here uh, I i can kind of hear you about how uh not so much the case and it was uh so it, i mean i think there is something to like you know regardless of whether or not those demons are real like they should probably be treating them as real and it's like uh, something about how like you know or just kind of emblematic of the way that like you know i I, i'm not even sure if it's making how much of a commentary on gender it's supposed to be at all but like you know we should probably like we we should listen to any woman or anyone for that matter though when they like confide in trauma and it's like and it's kind of understandable how it kind of made her spiral even if like you know even if there wasn't a real demon but there is a real demon
1: (laughs) right but i mean at at that point in the movie i don't think she's I don't think she believes that she's seeing a real demon. She's like I'm seeing something. I think she believes that she's having hallucinations or something at that point because it but you'll see the dichotomy when in the next Scene right, you when know, she probably wouldn't
0: be asking for medication if she thought it was exactly drug yeah drug she
1: th- she yeah. thinks it's in her head at this point she wants treatment for it and you'll see it flip in the next scene when her fiance has like the intervention and she's he's got the therapist there and she's like I'm fine I did do, I don't actually need it I don't want it because at that point she doesn't believe that it's in her head at that point she believes she actually does have a demon attached I to her forgot, like I she did, 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 I forgot did
0: she see some what did she see between those two scenes that made her think that I'm trying I can't remember the order I think
1: she so she found. The, she found out it was a chain i believe like i think she found out that laura witnessed her professor complete suicide and then i think she went and talked to judy reyes um i think that was in between but at that at that point once the therapist or once the fiance tries to do the intervention she no longer believes that she is you know she keeps that was another thing she keeps saying i'm not crazy she says that at the um the birthday party scene I think that's a reaction that a mental health professional would probably not have. I, I certainly wouldn't have that reaction if, yeah. if I believed that I was having visual hallucinations and like all of a sudden I show up and my pet is dead in a box. I I would go immediately to the hospital and check myself in, you know? Yeah. And, you know, um, again, this
0: is like a very accelerated timeline because it, it's, 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 a, it's a decent bit later in the movie where she's like, oh when they've done all the investigating and all the connected uh murder suicide or the suicides and she's like oh it's my fourth day it's like it's only been four days it's been so long at that point but um but yeah you're right because i remember like he for the the fiance first became like there was some there was one of those events happened like in between because and then she has the thing with the fiance in the car and that's what really alarms him when Mm -hmm. she is really trying to convince him of something and he's just like he's like really just not hearing it at all. And I mean, more understandable coming from him than the therapist. Cause like, how how is some guy that doesn't really have any real training in the field supposed to know what to think when someone comes to him with something like that. Um, But but at the same time, like, you know, should probably like, you know, try and like make sure your partner is being heard.
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, just uh, yeah, no, nobody had the right reaction to to her. (laughs) Um, But you, you know, like you said, you can't really blame the fiance or the sister because they're not professionals but I absolutely can blame that therapist who yeah. uh, should know better right yeah uh, I
0: want to back up for a second because you kind of mentioned before about like the, the extent to like though like which this how much the, the demon itself is just like a metaphor for trauma and how much it's passing around because I think that's like a really important thread that runs through the movie that really and that can really your your appreciation of the movie can really turn on how much that works for you and I'm thinking a little bit of Gage's Letterbox review, where it, it, the whole movie was just a little too on the nose for him. I mean, he didn't hate the movie, obviously, he gave it three and a half stars, like it seems like everyone did. But mm-hmm. he, 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 for him, it was just like, it, it was just not subtle enough, really. And I'm wondering, like, I don't think every horror movie needs to aspire to something that subtle, but if that's what your preference is for. totally fine and i i don't really think this movie is really hiding that that's what it's about i'm wondering like how did that strike you in the moment because like yeah i think it is pretty obvious pretty on the nose that it's trying to be a movie about trauma and uh at the same time like you know like we've like we've already discussed a lot of people don't really handle it that well and i think there's something to be said for like how you know yes the demon is real but like i think if trauma doesn't really necessarily go address that well um, hell it's, it's, it's going to spiral. And I mean, there's a separate discussion to be had about the very ending of this movie. And if that, if it really like builds to what it should build to, but I'm wondering, like, as you're watching this, especially as someone coming at it from your perspective, are you like, I, I, I get it. It feels like they're just beating a dead horse at this point. Or did you like actually find yourself uh, appreciating the way it like actually showed how trauma can be, you know, uh, one, how it can be generational two how it can be, uh, how, how it can fester if it's not addressed.
1: Yeah, I did really love how they addressed um, that trauma can be generational. My favorite scene, I think in this movie is with the two sisters on the porch, where they talk about, you know, the, the older sister, her perspective is that I got, I got the worst of mom's insanity because I was older and I had to leave. And, you know, I'm sorry that I did. And Rose's perspective, is that you know she got the worst of it because she's the one who actually witnessed you know her suicide and uh was left alone with her as a much younger child so both are valid points but they're from two different perspectives and that's often how it goes and they also had two different ways of coping and surviving um like the older sister, um, says, you know, I had to get out of there that, and, and, you know, you hate me or you're resentful because, you know, you're, you're just living in it. You're living in this trauma and you hate me because I don't want to. I thought that was, that line resonated so much. And that Mm. was so true to life because you really do see that in family dynamics, children react so differently to the same trauma. Mm. So, um, that was like, you know, my, and then, you know, families can become resentful of each other and not understand their coping mechanisms. So I think both Rose and what's the sister's name? Is it Holly?
0: Yeah, Holly, you're right. You're right. Holly,
1: okay. Yeah. So they both have, um, you know, valid reactions their their ways of coping are what allowed them to survive holly's was to run away and get as far away from it as possible and not think about it as much as possible and insulate her life and insulate herself in this comfortable little life she's built for herself and rose's way is to face it as much as possible and sit in other people's trauma all day every day and both are completely valid but they don't understand each other and that's where the conflict comes in and so i just loved that scene i thought it was beautiful you made
0: the you made the comment about isolating yourself in this comfortable life it's funny how like one of the more funny ongoing gags is just how like bossy she is to her husband and how he just like, kind of takes it uh like mm-hmm. it was funny how the movie found room for like little like moments that everyone could just like laugh at in the midst of all. All this because like i totally agree with you though like it's pretty tragic to watch these two girls just like talk about how like messed up they were in their or these two women talk about how messed up they were be- because of what they went through as girls I, I it's it's interesting because like i agree with you in that like it doesn't make sense for the um i oh i think i, I don't think her her psychiatrist or i don't think rose's psychiatrist is obviously probably reacts in the best way possible i think uh cal Penn, i, I honestly don't really i, I mean he's <laughs> cal pen i don't need to go find his name uh i did the character's name but i, I think i think cal pen is like pretty understandable and like how he reacts based on like the information he has at hand uh but at the same time i think the movie does a pretty good job in just establishing like you know why like in 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 those scenes with the sisters and what we see in the flashbacks like how what she went through like when she was younger was just like it was that traumatic and how uh you know i think that it it would give everyone plenty of reason to believe that this is something that is like, not uh, that, 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 that like, I mean, obviously no one's going to start from the point of view of disbelieving there's a demon, but like they have really good reason to believe she has other things she hasn't worked out, especially because she probably, uh, the whole demon taking over her, the the demon uh, it, um, the, the demon getting inside of her, notwithstanding, like she probably has plenty of other things she hasn't dealt with that she should deal with because she is so invested in this job. So it, it kind of gives you plenty of reason to understand why people might be somewhat like skeptical at the same time, even as this movie keeps like going to even more ridiculous places on the surface. throughout. Um, I'm wondering, like, uh, before we get to the very end, uh, how, how you felt particularly about the scene in the the scene in the jail cell when the movie kind of takes a turn about showing she's how she's going to be and put in her own little uh, put given her own little jigsaw to reference another horror film at some point where it's like she mm-hmm. she, she she is led to believe that she really doesn't have a to- choice. She's going to be like, uh, she's going to be committing suicide or becoming a murderer at her own, uh, at her own peril. Uh, the, the the guy that she tracks down as like the one survivor of all this, his name is Robert Talley. He's played by Robert Rob Morgan, who's just like a, a great, a great. The guy's popped up as a great character actor in like the last like five or six years of movies. Uh, what did you think about that scene in particular and how the movie like you know kind of takes off from that point where it like has to kick into another gear because of what she learns?
1: Um, I thought it was fine on the surface i really was intrigued by that scene in the trailer um I don't and remember
0: it in the trailer i think i may have only seen like the teaser trailers with like this the the, the, the jump share with the sister at the car so i didn't realize it even okay. went there in the movie or it
1: went yeah I think it's really the idea of being able to break the chain by murdering someone is interesting. I think that scene went a little heavy handed on the exposition. I mean, it was really spoon feeding it to you when he's like, make sure it's as traumatic as possible. This Mm -hmm. thing, it feeds on trauma. It's a trauma monster. The thing about it is you got to do trauma. So it really like spoon fed to you, like in case you didn't get it, in case you didn't get the underlying message. Mm -hmm. um yeah so that that struck me as a little mm, um but overall you know i i thought the performances in that scene were good overall i liked it i enjoyed the little detective noir we have in the middle (laughs) so i think i thought it was fun
0: yeah and i also liked that it didn't like try and do too much in that with it, with her and um, with her and Joel. It's like they didn't I mean, yeah, it was implied that like, you know, he, he was the one that probably was on the sore end of the breakup originally, but they didn't really try and turn it into like a, mm-hmm. a romance subplot because it's a movie that didn't need that. And a right. movie probably tries to go there with this person when she's finding refuge in this other guy when her current guy is just being, you know, not as understanding.
1: So I I agree of, and I like um, it. I like that they didn't go there, but they hinted at it just enough to make the character dynamics more interesting sure yeah
0: and i like I get, <laughs> it. it struck a pretty good balance i mean like a lot of people have given them i've, I've some of the criticisms criticisms i've seen in the movie are just like every character butt rose is a little too thin and it's like it's it's a movie's like an hour and 55 minutes and i don't really necessarily think there's like a ton of fat they necessarily should have trimmed so it's like i don't know if i needed that this many people to be filled in that well as long as they kind of wrote the relationships as well as they did like i think we mm-hmm. like there's there's a shorthand there where I mean, well, I think it's implied that she had stopped going to her psychiatrist, but there's enough there where mm-hmm. you kind of get a sense of what the relationship was like, similar with Cal Penn, similar with Joel. It's like, I think there's, a, there's enough there in most of these instances where you kind of get what was going on. Uh, but I, I do think that scene is interesting in so much as like, he's pretty believable in the, in that performance, uh, the, the, the Robert character such so that you kind of like buy that is what she has to do. So you have a good understanding of like, all right, let's just take this guy at face value. Cause he seemed to Really, really believe where he's coming from, and he is the only one that survived. uh She's gonna need to do this, and what we see then see her kind of run off to the child at home. We heard, we saw reference earlier in the movie, and I think this kind of gets to where it kind of goes at the beginning, where it's like she has had these stakes and these choices laid out for her, all that clearly because of that scene, and it's like, all right, well, what is she gonna do about it? And I think that kind of gets us to like the end of the movie, which I mean, you know, I want to, I, 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 I'll tell you, I, when when I saw it in theaters, Andrea, I was like. I, that I was almost more taken with the end of this movie than like anything. And I was like, it, it, to me, it, like, I, I really respected the fact that like, to me it had the, and again, this part, this might be part of my fault for not seeing enough horror movies in my past, but I was like, Oh, I really respect that this movie decides. And again, uh, Honestly, I think we can almost, I might just like drop another spoiler. I'm going to spoil the ending right now. But like, I mean, I guess I, we didn't technically do it earlier. I might just pick a random spot and say, stop listening at this point. <laughs> I sometimes put like spoiler warnings in the in the episode descriptions, but I didn't. I forgot yeah. to say at the beginning, like, hey, we're not doing it at all. But I think people can listen to a good chunk of this and decide if they want to see it. But anyway, at the end, I was like, I really respected the end of this movie because it like, it, I I, I kind of liked it in an almost a way, let the bad guy win, because I'm just assuming the whole time she's the final girl. Mm-hmm. She's going to survive. She's going to beat it. And I was like, okay, I respect that it had the balls to go there and maybe not give the audience that level of satisfaction. Uh, But then I went and I, and I I read what our friends were saying about the ending, including, uh, including both Gage and Daniel. And they're like, yeah, but it doesn't really earn that ending because it doesn't really add up because she's doing all the right things and facing your trauma which it seems like the movie wants to, the message of this movie should be like wh- why does it make sense then that she doesn't win if they're gonna like put in all this effort to kind of saying what you need to do to handle your trauma head-on she then does it she does the selfless thing on top of that and trying to save joel from it and trying to just like do it hold it do a selfless act or whatever and it just like it, it just it just like doesn't work and i'm wondering like uh how that kind of struck you in the moment. Cause you, and did it kind of when you thought about it a little more, you're like, yeah, I don't really know if they stuck the landing. Like what, 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 are, I, what are your ultimate feelings about how this movie tried to like wrap up?
1: I have the exact same reaction you did. I was yeah. so pleasantly surprised that mm-hmm. the protagonist did not win in the mm-hmm. end. I was saying this to Gage after we saw Barbarian I was like I you know I love all these movies about you know serial killers and and everything all these horror movies are great and you know inevitably at at in the type of movie that Barbarian is the protagonist is going to find some kind of clue that they're not the only girl, right? They're going to find remnants of somebody else. Like she sees the bloody handprint on the wall, you know, the tapes with other girls' names on them, like in Silence of the Lambs, there's that famous scene where she's down in the well and she sees like the claw marks on it. So she knows someone's been kept here before. And I'm like, I want a story about the girl who who died in the well, you know, I want a story about, the girl who no solidarity with your fellow mental health professional. Hey, I just I want a story about you know if there's so many like in Barbarian you see so many women's names on those tapes Mm -hmm. if there's so many like I want to see one of those stories where like all the odds are stacked against them and the odds are right you know I'm I'm a little tired of the final girl trope where um like you know it's it's the end piece of the chain that like the protagonist always you know they do their research and they find out what they have to do to break the curse or defeat the evil or do whatever and then they do it and they and they win and it's nice and wrapped up in a little bow um so I like that this broke that formula um on the surface level but I do agree with Gage and Daniel that it does muddle the thematic waters um, because if the monster does indeed represent trauma like like it is trauma personified then I agree that muddles the message of the film because she is you know like the most well-equipped person to face her trauma and she does it and like I I agree like is like the message of the film should not be you can never overcome your trauma because that's not true um and
0: you you think there's some way for like the movie to like have that message but also have that ending in a way that's like just a little more cleaner than what they came up with and have you given any thought to what that looks like because i i've tried to think about it a little bit and I'm not really sure but as like but i think we both kind of wanted the same kind of ending on the surface too
1: yeah i think in order to do that you have to undo some of the exposition you've given of this sure. monster is trauma personified i think it can be you know, it can just be a demon or a curse that enjoys like uh, messing up people's lives and enjoys causing trauma without being trauma personified, which I, re- I really do think that it is. And I-, I love the monster design, by the way, like peeling off the skin, all the layer, the rows of teeth like that was awesome. Speaking Um, speaking of
0: skin peeling, we didn't even talk about the Cal Penn moment where it's like he just rips his own face off and my my theater went nuts for that. Like that was, that was like, that was, I was like, why don't I, I can't believe I'm watching this right now, but like, and then just (laughs) snaps out of it. But like, that was like a cool, I I respected that it even went there in such a a way, aesthetically different from almost anything we saw in the movie. But like, I do agree with you Mm -hmm. though, where it's like, hey, I think you can even still somewhat have like the mental, the ongoing mental health field backdrop for this movie without yeah. the whole trauma personified thing if that's kind of a framing device you want to use maybe there is a different yeah. way it is like change the, to like kind of alter the messaging a little bit but still have it be about how we face people that do that, and handle people that are do think they are going through something with while changing slightly changing the nature of this monster
1: yeah i do think that the film is a little bit at war with itself of like does it want to be a crowd pleaser or does it want to be like an artsy film that has a deeper meaning i think it tries to do both and that could be you know to its detriment on both fronts because like i said like it it gives you a crowd pleasing and or at least to me it's a crowd pleasing. maybe maybe the the average crowd wants to see her win and they didn't like the ending anyway but um you know, you you can tell one story on the surface, but if you're gonna do a deeper thematic meaning, then I think those do have to meld together. And I don't think it achieves that. Um, so I, I think in order to rectify that you gotta, decide which one you want do you want the surface story and then reel back the thematic elements or do you want to be a more artsy movie in which case maybe you consider refining the yeah. way ends.
0: yeah no I, I i like the way you put it because i don't necessarily think every movie needs to aspire to Like every horror movie needs to aspire to be some kind of great social commentary. It seems like you and I Mm -hmm. might've enjoyed the jump scares in this more than anything. And as you said earlier in the podcast, you can just take those for what they are. So if this movie, this movie could be a whole ticket for what it is. If it wants to be, it's just, you know, it tries in some places Mm -hmm. to be more than that. And there would not have been any shame if they decided not to do that either.
1: Um, Yeah. And I I agree with you. I think the mental health field can be a backdrop. It can just be the setting in which this movie takes place. It doesn't have to be the themes and the motifs as well. Um, So would that have lessened the movie if they reeled that back? Maybe. Would it make it more cohesive thematically? Maybe. I, I don't know. Either way, I'm pretty happy with it i thought it was um, a pretty good time <laughs> well, well i'm glad we
0: can still come down on uh recommending it to the listeners and um letting them know like hey there's yeah it might be some stuff to nitpick with it but as long as you try and and by the time people listen to this it'll have been out for a little over two weeks i think but like i mean it's, it's at that mm-hmm. point like hopefully you can still find a crowd to go see it with or at least multiple friends like i i'm a pretty big like go to the movies by myself i mean i have a lot of friends i do go to the movies with but like i i like going by myself often but like i think this is one you should just try and go see with friends because you're gonna get more out of it that way even if you have similar uh critiques to what andrew and I already covered uh Andrea I know you're you're up against a little bit of a clock but I want to see is there anything else in any other points in the movie we didn't talk about yet that you wanted to touch on that I forgot to uh ask you about
1: I guess the only thing I'll we we didn't talk about the performances
0: uh you know I should say I should say Rose is played by uh Sosie Bacon daughter of Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick so but her first Mm -hmm. ever like on-screen performance I mean I think we talked about like that you did like the, um, you, you kind of did like, I mean, I think you liked her, that first scene a lot and at least how she, well, at least how she performed mm-hmm. it, even if like maybe her job title should have been different. But like what, what ultimately, like, I mean, I, I don't want to get out of here without like giving her her due. Uh, did you like that as a central performance? Cause I think we've actually like talked a little bit more about like, honestly, some of the moments uh, offered by some of these supporting characters and how they react to her, but not so much like her actual Mm -hmm. performance. Did you, what did you think about that as a a lead performance of someone like, you know, handling uh, some, you know, some like all kinds of different things being thrown at her, whether it be like having to act like a, you know, a therapist, even if like job title issues notwithstanding or uh, really going through it or being haunted or actually having to make the turn she does in the very last scene of the movie. Like, what did you think about her?
1: Um, I thought, I thought she was, fine you know I wasn't blown away by anybody's performance but I thought um everybody gave pretty good performances yeah fair
0: enough because like I mean I, I, that's an, another critique I have mentioned before where like people were saying a lot of these characters were too thin it was almost like they were like I can't even necessarily like blame or give too much credit to any of these because there's, there's not a ton to them but I I just think she like she she really anchored the movie really well and I wanted to like give her at least yeah. a little bit of a due before I before I signed off because I think we like got to everything and then like I, I was like oh crap I don't even know if I've said her name um but like i, I do think it, that 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 is something that like you know is it, something that like i think a lot of people can appreciate about the movie regar- regardless of what critiques they come away from i think she does what's asked of her like very well but uh, a- any yeah. other parts of the movie that you wanted to touch on before we signed off
1: i guess i'll just try and tie this up in a, a neat little bow yeah. as much as i can but i do want to bring up just the inciting incident real quick and sign off with like a, a positive mental health, you know, PSA. Um, Because one of the, you know, I guess everybody could see it as nitpicky, but I, you know, I'm seeing this movie and I'm seeing like, this would never happen in a psychiatric hospital. This would never happen. This would never happen. But um, one of the big things is the, the inciting incident where the vase breaks and Laura is able to slit her throat. That's something that would never ever happen in a psychiatric hospital. A psychiatric hospital is the most difficult place to kill yourself because everything is designed to prevent people from killing themselves. They, they would so, you know, like plastic vases if there's if there is a vase. <laughs> no, no, like no vases. Oh, but okay. yeah, so we see <laughs> that we see Laura be wheeled in on this stretcher and she's like, you know, writhing against it. And then she's immediately left completely alone in an in an empty room with a glass or ceramic vase no would not happen like I cannot stress enough everything in a psychiatric hospital is designed to prevent people from hurting themselves like even our doorknobs like are not real knobs you have to like grip them and pull down on them and they so that you can't tie bed sheets to them like Hmm. patients aren't allowed to have pens they can only have golf pencils that are like three inches long they can't have shoelaces the computers at the nurse's station are in these like special locked boxes so that patients can't reach over the station and pull them up and throw them and the chairs are super heavy so patients can't get them and throw them around so like everything is super safe in a psychiatric unit and if anybody needs help with mental issues like do not let horror movies that depict these things deter you from going there they are safe they have good staff who care or about from
0: recommend, Or or for recommending a loved one who might need to go to. You know.
1: Yes, absolutely. So if you or a loved one are experiencing a mental health crisis, like do not hesitate to, you know, go to your local uh, psychiatric hospital and have an evaluation done. That is what we are there for. Um, if you can, you know, if you're not in a crisis, but you want mental health help. Uh, Psychology Today is a great resource. You can always look up and find a therapist who takes your insurance or who offers a sliding scale. If you do not have any insurance or any way to pay at all, you can always go to your uh, local uh, mental health uh, community center in Central Florida. That would be Aspire Health Partners. Um, Another great resource is 211. If you're looking for resources, always call 211. They can get you help with housing, mental health, uh, physical health. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to end on that kind of message. <laughs> well, I mean,
0: if you, if, if you've listened to the end of any of our other podcasts, we sometimes actually let people plug things or make like social, like I mean, whether it be pop culture recommendations, personal things, whatever. I mean, sometimes it, it is more along the lines of what you just did. So I, I'm just going to let you know, like, you know, like we just, these couple episodes I had Gage on for, like, I was like, Hey, anything else you've been watching recently? Like we sometimes just do that kind of thing. I wasn't even going to make a really like a, a pop culture recommendation today. Cause I'm just like in the midst of like recording a bunch of podcasts and haven't even watched anything recently, but if there's anything else you want to plug pop culture wise, personal social media wise, or, 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 or that's all you really got to say, you're fine to leave it at that, but that's kind of how we normally wrap up the episode. So is there anything else you want to personally plug or direct people to beyond the resources you just did?
1: Man. ah, oh, I should have saved my plug for after that.
0: No. Um, I, I,
1: it's okay. You don't yeah, to, I, I was I don't just. Thinking. You, I
0: don't mean to put you on the spot. That's just the way you kind of end things around here. And you can just say no. I want everyone to like know that they need to utilize all of the resources I said, and that can be perfectly fine. Next time you come back, you'll know to like give us a pop culture recommendation or something like that. Perfectly
1: fine. Okay. Do you have any pop culture recommendations? Because if you do it, then I'll have time.
0: I'm just <laughs> well, that's what I was saying like I, I I'm like in the midst of like trying to record like eight or nine pod- like, probably like honestly like five or six podcasts and then the next like week and I've just like been seeing new movies and stuff like that you know what I think I'm actually going to post first before I before people or I'm going to post after I would be posting this I'll tell people because I, I don't think I've recorded since I saw it was I saw I saw the woman king last week And Mm -hmm. I, uh, and and I really enjoyed it, but like, I, I'm going to be doing a podcast on it with our friend Mo and another friend of his, who's going to be another first time guest. And like, I I don't know how they felt about it. And I, I, there's been a lot of controversy about it, but like, I found it, you know, it stars Viola Davis and Lashana Lynch and John Boyega and, uh, some, some other newer faces, but it's like, you know, it follows this, uh, the, the follows this, uh, this tribe of uh uh, this this african nation back in like the 1820s that is honestly some of the controversies about how they interacted with the slave trade but also like how this within Mm -hmm. this nation like they're led by this group of women warriors who you know they they are responsible for defending them and they're having to fight off fellow uh fellow intruders from you know trying to raid their whole entire community for their own slave trade and I I mean it's a very very well done movie with some great performances though it's not without some controversy which if you follow like you know online film discussions and online uh, coverage of movies like you're gonna ultimately like kind of be privy to that and I think it's gonna be a really interesting conversation when we talk about it and regardless of like how the movie kind of handles some of these historical possible inaccuracies things they had to spin Uh, with respect to like what this nation stood for I think there is like plenty to gain out of the movie regardless if you can enjoy it and just accept the fact that like sometimes these things are going to change certain facts and it seems it's it's, it's really cool that a movie like that got made and is doing really well financially and has some like really great action and great performances if nothing else and I think we're going to have a discussion on the podcast where we're going to get into like hey just how problematic is some of this stuff so I think it's worth like at least seeing and kind of like interrogating that for yourself afterward and uh, it seems like a lot of people are really responding to that movie so i would recommend the woman king but now that i've kind of rambled for about two minutes Mm -hmm. have you watched any other tv or movies
1: recently that you want to tell people to check out man um not really movie or tvs um or book i guess another another podcast that i'm i'm super into last podcast on the left so if you're listening to this for the horror element uh my favorite um horror type macabre podcast to listen to his last podcast on the left they do an incredible uh job researching doing super uh detailed um explorations into macabre topics so that is always a fun one to check out oh very cool recommendation yeah i,
0: I mean i think i've heard someone mention that recently but like not actually as a podcast they like but like didn't elaborate at all what it was about so i just assumed it was a politics podcast
1: oh no 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 it's so so good so their their most recent series they just did was on fred and rose west who were a pair of serial killers um which was that that one's a little heavy to be your first one but i think the series they did prior to that was on the salem witch trials and that was like a five parter so it's like five hours of content breaking down the salem witch trials it was it's very good if you're if you're into that kind of thing
0: yeah. Well, that, that, that I mean, that's a great recommendation. I don't think the, I mean, I don't think people plug podcasts on here enough because there's plenty of them out there, something for everyone. Uh, but I, I, I really appreciate that. Um, Andrea, thank you so much for doing this. I greatly yeah. appreciate you lending us your expertise. It was great talking about this with someone that like could, you know, lend insight into what the backdrop for this movie was. Uh, I, I hope, hope, hope we'll find something else for you to come back for in the future. Uh, you know, for for anyone who uh again for anyone i uh who's made it this far you've probably already seen the movie but like definitely you know it's something i i, wa- I definitely think people should support and they should go out and and watch so recommend that your friends do it and then uh tell them to come listen to us uh a- as usual i want to thank everyone for listening if you want to give any feedback the podcast twitter is at rewind movie pod podcast email is the rewind movie pod at gmail.com as usual on twitter i'm josh turner j-o-s-h-j-u-r-n-o-v-o-y same thing on letterbox
1: oh you have a letterbox right you want to plug that in? i do yeah Sorry, i don't even know what my letterbox to handle is, I think it's Amdia, A M something like that. I remember being confused. I, think
0: I came upon it, but I'm like, wait, there's no M. She's not Amber. She's Andrea. I
1: don't it's know what that it's means. Amdia. Yeah. Well, my that, that's my nickname name. that I use in any video games. Um, because when I was in college, my yeah, a- friends... A- Look at it now. Yeah, my group of friends, we would all use like slightly messed up versions of our names. So that was the name that my my friend gave me was Amdia. Uh, and it's just stuck
0: <laughs> there you go so andrea can be found on letterbox at Amdia amdea uh coming up next on the podcast uh i got a lot of stuff i'm in the works that i'm trying to schedule but i'm guessing at some point after this i'll be uh posting a podcast on uh on um on bros uh probably one on the woman king like i mentioned before um maybe something on uh halloween ends maybe something on lyle lyle crocodile there's like a lot of stuff i'm trying to squeeze in before i go on my long uh planned vacation so plenty of stuff coming up in the next few weeks just can't say what the order of it is going to be but that's that's about all for today i want to thank andrea again for joining me i want to thank all of you for listening and we'll see you next time